I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So if you're expecting big changes for the Bucs, at least with respect to their coaching staff, remember Todd Bowles saying after that Thursday night debacle that they would meet as a staff over the weekend and and, uh, did not rule out anything. Well, the anything won't include firings, at least of the coaching staff right now. Uh, as we do this podcast, at least on Sunday night now, I suppose the story could change by the time we get to work on uh, later this morning when the Bucks return to practice and walk through. But it looks like they're standing pat with their staff. And you know, to your point, Steve, we talked about this before uh, we came on. Todd Bowles never made any changes to his coaching staff with the Jets, right? So why would he do that here? Yeah, I forget who I was listening to over the weekend. They were talking about his time in New York. Of course, he had a really good first season. Yeah, and then it kind of went off the rails after that. But Mm -hmm. as bad as things got, he didn't shake up his coaching staff, which is generally a thing that happens as things go wrong. Sometimes during season, sometimes in the off season. Mm -hmm. But he he didn't do that there. Um, We know that Bruce Arians is a pretty loyal guy, and you know he's a lot of that staff he's worked with for years under Bruce. And, and, and elsewhere as well. And, you know, at this point, it doesn't seem like that's the route they're going to take. Now, they have a, a bye week, and this was that mini bye when you come off the Thursday night game. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get like to 10, 11 days, depending on if you play Sunday or Monday. Right. They're going to have their true bye week in just a couple of weeks after they go to Germany. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another opportunity to make a change because you need, when you're going to make a change like that, you need that extra time in the week. Your week is busy enough as it is getting ready for a game. If you're going to make changes, it's best to do it on a, on a time when you have that extra three, four days for the mini buy or a true buy week to get everything in order so that you can still go play a game the next week or the next time you're, you're scheduled to. So, uh, but at this point, looks like it's status quo. Yeah, and I don't, you know, and I don't think it would be that difficult just because this coaching staff has been together so long. Mm-hmm. You know, it would it would be a question like who would they put in that role? Now, you know, Arians was grooming uh, Thad Lewis, Thaddeus Lewis, uh, who was an offensive assistant. Um, you know, played about seven years or so in the NFL with various teams. A quarterback at Duke way back in the day. That's who he had kind of targeted to to bring on to groom, if you will. Um, because he thought he was going to lose Byron Leftwich. You know, Bruce went into the offseason thinking, well, I'm coaching the team, and I might lose both defensive coordinators, or offensive and defensive coordinator, but but if I lost Byron Leftwich, like, who is the next guy? Well, the next guy was probably going to be Thad. Now, Thad's on the, on the staff. You've also got Clyde Christensen. You've got Harold Goodwin. I don't think I, – I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for Goody. I'm sure he would do it, but I, I'm not sure – I can't speak for either of them, actually. But I'm not sure that Clyde, at, at this stage, wants to. Um, you know, he, he was in that role with another iconic quarterback, Peyton Manning, after uh, Tony Dungy left Indianapolis and Jim Caldwell was a head coach. And they did go to a Super Bowl. They lost. But um, that was, you know, that was Clyde's role, was to sort of follow along and do what Peyton Manning wanted to do. Because Peyton, much like Tom, was sort of the de facto offensive coordinator. But I just don't think you got a lot of guys clamoring, you know, raising their hand to want to do it in the first place. And in the second place, most of those people over there really like Byron Leftwich, and not just as a person, but I think he's a pretty good coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, even Tom, which uh, – and their relationship has grown, obviously, over the years – but I know he I know he likes Byron. I don't I don't know what he thinks of his, you know, game plans or his play calling or anything like that. But I still I, I think we're naive to think that they do anything on offense. It, especially now. Maybe different when when it was, you know, Bruce Arians offense and it was his plan and it was, you know, even though Byron was doing the game planning and Bruce was not and Bruce, you know, would see the game plan and he'd make some changes, didn't eliminate things he said he would add stuff. But, you know, it was, it was still their offense. And 
no one had a problem with it. They did they did make some changes in that first year. Remember the seven and five, and they did some stuff. And and Byron always get kind of annoyed that you know everybody kind of made it sound like it was Tom and you know no no not that he wouldn't wanted credit, but it just never came to his way. And now now of course that they're not scoring many points, seventeen point eight or whatever it is a game. Now it's got to be the play calling. It's got to be, you know, something Byron is or isn't doing. And, and I don't think it's that simple because I, I think Tom is way too involved in every facet of this organization, especially game planning, especially play calling. And last time I checked, he has the ball. He has the ability to throw it where he wants to throw it, to run it if he wants to run it. He can do all those things. I think what they did this weekend is schematically they're going to have to change some things. And if you if you kind of look at what they did last year versus this year, it's different, man. It just is. You know, there's a lot of stuff that looks different. And, you know, including the way they run the football, some of their inside runs, that there's very few, if any, double teams. Like, there's a lot of, of nuance, uh, you know, to what they've done in the past, to what they're doing now. Also includes Tom Brady. You know, uh, he's getting the ball out of his hands really quick, which tells you what? It tells you that most of his reads are pre-snap. You know, he's not sitting back there waiting to see the rotation of the coverage and all that. He is predetermining where the ball is going, and it's going there quickly. And so they, they have to find a way um, to get back a little bit more of the explosiveness that they had. And some of that is personnel. You know, we've talked about Rashad White. We've talked about the speed they have on the bench right now at receiver. Um, you're going to play Mike Evans, you're going to play Chris Godwin, but they need a wide receiver three. And maybe if Julio Jones gets a little healthier and can stay on the field, he might be that third guy. He he made it through a game. I don't think he played all that many snaps, but he did score a touchdown late in that game uh, that they lost on, on last Thursday night to the Ravens. But they need more, you know, and they need more time on task. And you know, the the Bucks were going to give them Monday off. They're back in there today. Instead, the players will be in there. They'll take Tuesday off. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Tom Brady was down in southwest Florida, I guess, on Sunday. I did see that. Uh, that was great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. He's helping out with uh, some of the hurricane relief stuff, which, you know, not, not necessarily a place that Tom Brady has to spend one of the very few days that, um, that he's not, you know, at the facility with the, sort of the mini bye week, but good on him to do that. But listen, I, I think, you know, we, we didn't talk about this last week because uh, we had ended the podcast on Friday before it was announced that uh, Tom and his wife Giselle had divorced. And that had been some time in the making. And, and we did not, even though, you know, the New York Post and so many people had written about this impending uh, separation and disillusion of marriage there, uh, you know, short of a document or one of those people or the representatives talking about it, we weren't going to go there. There are some things that even celebrities like Giselle and Tom Brady deserve to have their privacy. If you're a responsible mainstream media, um, not, not that their divorce isn't interesting or shouldn't be documented when it was finally filed. And when they made their statement, even before they made their statements, but certainly afterwards, uh, we did write quite a detailed story about all of that and ran their statements in there. I think TMZ was the first one to probably on Friday morning break that uh, that those documents were going to be filed shortly that day, last Friday. But think about this. Think about the timing and all that Tom Brady is going through. And we knew some of it, right? Because, like I said, you can't turn on a TV, pick up a magazine, go to a supermarket without reading about it or seeing the headlines. But having said all that, in the span of four days, okay, his football team lost at Carolina to a team that had sold off their best players, including Christian McCaffrey, which we'll get into. What a day he had for the 49ers on Sunday. And, you know, that was their second straight loss, having lost to Pittsburgh and a rookie quarterback and all of that the week before. And so it was a horrific, horrific loss. And then four days later, just four days later, they lose on national television Thursday night football after taking a 10 to three lead to the Baltimore Ravens and look bad doing it. And the offense, the second half was miserable. They scored one late touchdown and that was Julio Jones on a touchdown pass from Tom Brady. But for the most part, they were three and out, three and out, three and out. 
and they left their defense on there to, to die, and, and they did. And then that very same night, you know, we talked about this on the podcast, 15 minutes, Todd Bowles was probably at the podium, 10 minutes, let's say, let's say it's even 10. Let's say it was 10 minutes at the podium right after the game. We go into the locker. So there's some time has passed now. There's a 10-minute cooling off period, 10 minutes or so with Bowles on the podium. Then we go in the locker room, and Tom Brady is fully dressed with his head in his hands and fully dressed in uniform, I should say. He hasn't taken off anything except his helmet. And he's got his head in his hands, and Blaine Gabbard is sort of talking to him, and he is making no acknowledgement whatsoever. No head knob, doesn't look up. And he stays that way for, I don't know, 12, 15 minutes. And then when he finally does move and starts to get dressed, he's leaning up against his locker uh, with his arm against it and his head down. And that, you know, that was his pose for three or four minutes. It, it was almost now in retrospect when you realize that, you know, the next morning uh, his divorce was going to be finalized and filed. And they both were going to, him and his ex-wife were going to put out statements you almost can sit back now and go, there was a lot going on that night, you know? A lot to, for him to, to really think about. Um, not just the fact that he was 3-5 and five for the first time in his life, in his professional football life, um, but also what he knew was happening the next day. And the next day, his marriage uh, and, you know, a new custody arrangement for his two kids, all of that was going to be officially changed forever. And I think the, com- the culmination of all that had to be going through his head. You know, like, where is rock bottom, you know, at this point? And certainly with the team, he had hit it. And then the next day, his 13-year marriage ended. So now that you have that perspective, you can kind of understand what, what this guy was kind of battling, you know, beyond just, just a football team that's not winning. But Tom Brady is not clearly the only one at fault for this uh, – current losing streak, three-game losing streak. There's another player that we wrote about the other day that we're going to talk about who has a lot of answering to do for his play in just a second. But first, I want to remind you guys of May Electric Solar. If you've got a high-energy bill like all of us, well, call our friends at May Electric. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. There's a lot of these fly-by-night companies, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty, and that's for unique in the business. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the May difference. So if you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products. They conduct on-site testing. You'll see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. All those guys up on the roof, that's Billy May's guys, and they know exactly what they're doing, and you know who's doing the job. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar, 727 819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Reserve the quality of your life and of your appliances through every storm season. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Our real story the other day, we had our uh, kind of our post-game press conference. We talked about it on the podcast too as well on Devin White. Well, there's a bunch of other people weighing in, um, having looked at that film and of course, especially the loaf that he had that you know, Todd Bowles was said was part loaf and part being gas, but I, 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 all I see is a loaf. Uh, regardless, Warren Sapp, I mean, here's, here's a Hall of Fame first ballot defensive tackle who played all those years for the Bucks. Um, did kind of a film breakdown of, of several plays with several different players, but the one in particular – on the on the third and nine, this is a ten ten game, by the way. Ten ten, third and nine. That's a win down for the defense typically. And they throw a little quick screen out to the right there. And that's the play where Devin White, I think it, to say he jogged would be give, give jogging a bad name, but he kind of motioned his feet that way in that direction and didn't didn't really run at all. Like he was interested in running. And the play went for a first down. There's some missed tackles, but it was along the sideline for a while. Had he pursued it, he might have been able to stop, you know, prevent the first down or the yard to gain. And then in a 10-10 game, they're getting the ball back. That's maybe the – not maybe. That is probably the worst 
you know, sort of example of a player in his position uh, of of playing. I mean, he gave no effort. I mean, it was virtually no effort. And and frankly, I'm a little disappointed that you know when we when we questioned Bowles about it about the third because he also was on skates. I mean, you know the. Listen, the Ravens center sent him backwards about 15 yards two or three times and pancaked him. But when we when we kept asking Bowles about, you know, what Devin White's effort or lack of effort was, he got annoyed. And at one point he just said, I have no problem with Devin White. If that's true, then everybody should have a problem with Todd Bowles. Because it, whether it's one play, and I think it's more than one, but whether it's one play or 20 plays, what that showed for a guy who's supposed to be a captain with a C on his chest, um, what does that say? And, and, and furthermore, how do all the other players digest that? And this is the question Warren Sapp asked when he, he put it up on some of the social media platforms, his Instagram and whatnot, and he showed the play, and he made some, you know, some comments about other guys that didn't play it correctly. And then he said, look at 45, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I would take the C off his chest. That's what Warren Sapp said. And he, he just couldn't, he was appalled that, you know, that that's the effort, that, that's what, that's what your, your teammates are going to be watching in the film with. They're going to see that. And he's right. He's 100% right. And I would bet you, I would, I, I, I mean, listen, Football players and, and guys in general in the organization, everybody, they talk the way the same conversation we're having on this podcast. They talk among themselves. And could you imagine sitting through a film room? I hope Todd Bowles had that, you know, clicker and had it rewound again and again and again. And I hope he played it 27 times just in case Devin didn't see himself the first 26. Because that's the sort of thing that you single out. Now, you would hope that he would go a step further and pull him off the field if he sees it again, or maybe even for that, you might not have him start a game or something. Like, there has to be some accountability. And I know, you know, Todd can get, he's not the, you know, arms folded, sort of placid guy you see on the sidelines. He's actually very fiery. And we talked about how he has to keep the monster tamped down and all of that. But that was a time and opportunity, I think, that Bulls missed. I think that publicly, Bowles could have said exactly what everybody was watching, which is that right there, and I've told Devin this, is unacceptable. You will not play on this football team if that's the effort you give us. Now, if you are gassed, as he said, to the extent that you can't even begin to run, now you're hurting your football team by staying out there. Okay, Now you've got to take yourself off the field because there are 53 guys that are, that are ready to play and dealt for one or two plays to give you a blow, uh, you do your favor, your football team a favor by, by getting off the field. Because you can put me out there for that effort. I, literally, I could stand out there and do what he did. And they don't want me out there. So, you know, you're only asked to play for three hours. And I, I know it's a physical game, and I know, you know, um, guys do get tired. And, and I don't like to say they take plays off, but some plays that go away from them, they may not, you know, be busting it at 100%. But that's the thing. You never know who's going to miss a tackle. You never know when that play is going to get spilled back towards you. And if you just ran to the ball, you might you might be able to get the guy on the ground. And it, it just seems like that's been the effort from White, I don't know, at least since the third game of the season. I mean, he won NFC Defensive Player of the Month. So he had a really good three games and then nothing. And sometimes less than nothing. And it's going to be a story this week. Uh, at some point, Devin White has to be accountable. At some point, he has to stand up in front of, you know, not just his teammates, but also the media, I would think, and, and explain what's going on here, man. Like, what, you know, what, why aren't you running? You know, is, is this how you want other guys to play? Because I promise you this. There are guys on his team that would rather he not play than play like that. You know, because you got everybody gets an opportunity to have a career in the NFL the same way. Somebody's not productive or somebody gets hurt. There are lots of guys on that sideline that want their chance. 
This is their opportunity. And it doesn't matter if you were drafted in the first round or fifth overall or, or you know, 250th overall. If you can play, they will play you. Once you get here, you put the letter sweaters away, and aside from the GM's ego or money invested in you or whatnot, um, they're trying to play the guys that will give them the best chance to win. And if that's the effort you have, somebody else is waiting for his chance right, right there on the sideline. And you know what? When they get it, don't be surprised if you don't get that chair back, you know, because then it's gone. So I just think that, you know, you think back on what Bull said about the Super Bowl and guys living off the Super Bowl, and if they are, you know, they're living in fantasy land. I don't think it's even a – I mean, it's a supposition to some point, but I think it's pretty clear he's talking about Devin White. I I just think that – Devin well, White if, was it, that guy. if it wasn't just Devin White, he's definitely one of the ones he's talking about. He's got to be a suspect, right? Yeah. I mean, based on what he's done the last few weeks, mm-hmm. it, it's we've seen his potential. We've seen sure. what he can do. Mm-hmm. But he's he's making the same mistakes over and over again. And that play, and, and maybe he's got a reason, you know, we'll – Hopefully this week he'll speak and and we'll find out. But yeah, when you see Joe Try and Shawinka and you see Anthony Nelson and all those guys flying by Devin White to go get to the ball, on from the other side of the ball, he's yeah. in the middle. They're mm-hmm. on the right side right. of the ball. Yeah, they're passing him to go chase the ball down. Right, and he's jogging at best. Mm-hmm. That's a really bad look. Yeah. Now and, and every everybody sees it. Yeah, it's one play. And, and like I said, maybe there's a reason. Maybe and, and maybe he's addressed it with his teammates. We don't know. And maybe we'll find out this week. But look, there's there's you can as a teammate, you can justify. I I I took the wrong gap. I went too far. I didn't hold the contain here. I mean, you can justify those mistakes. Efforts yeah, one that that effort, it's tougher yeah. teammates to to justify. That's right. Particularly if they happen over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. you can always give effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you've learned that since you were a kid playing sports. I say it to my kids all the time. I mean, about anything, about life. There's only two things you know you can control, mm-hmm. and that's effort and attitude. Mm-hmm. What's your attitude, and how much is your effort? You I, know, I coach my kids in both baseball and soccer, mm-hmm. and, and I, all, my kids, and, and all the kids I coach. I said, you can make mistakes out here. You're young. I mean, my the kids are nine and seven. Oh yeah, you're gonna make mistakes. It's yeah. if you're trying, then we'll work through it. I'm not going to get mad because right. you you struck out no. or you you know miskicked the ball or whatever it is. That's yeah, fine. That's the game. Yeah, yeah, this is how you learn. But if you're not mm-hmm. trying, then I got a problem. It's the yeah. only thing I have a problem with other kids. Effort and attitude, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, mental, you know, physical mistakes happen. Um, mental mistakes you want to cut down on. Mm-hmm. They can happen too. You can have mental lapses, but Absolutely. you can't win with guys that aren't. You know smart players that aren't going to put themselves in the right position. They have to be able to learn and adapt. And there's going to be mistakes. And again, we're all, you know, everybody's human out there. Mm-hmm. That's part of the game. But if you're, if you don't play with effort and, and this is the thing I, and listen, I didn't play in the NFL. I can't tell you what it takes to go up against a 300 pound offensive tackle and hit people time after time and all of that. But then again, I'm not the guy that was trained to do this. I'm not the guy that was drafted in the first round and fifth overall or the one they're paying the money to. Okay. But I've watched plenty of football, and I've talked to plenty of football players. And if you don't believe me, listen to Warren Sapp. I mean, Warren Sapp, think about the guys he played with, you know, and against. Derek Brooks, Hardy Nickerson, Shelton Corals. You know, he had plenty of linebackers behind him, too. And I promise you, without even having to look up a single play, none of those guys ever did that none of them would and you know why how i know because if they had warren would have ripped their helmet off in the in the huddle on the next play he'd have had him he'd have that's the one thing you know he you could make you could accuse warren of a lot of things but lack of effort was never one of them that guy went hard every play and so did the entire defense and there's you know a play lasts four seconds sometimes less depending on the outcome and if you can't give me that you know if it's not 65 plays or they're on the field for 70 something, which is way too many. And that's on the coaches and it's someone on them too. They can get off the field by stopping somebody, 
It's not going to stop anybody on third and nine if you're going to have that effort. And so he's going to have to wear this, and people are becoming aware of this. And like I said, we'd be naive to think that his teammates aren't furious with him right now. We have to be because they're not out there for kicks and giggles. You know, like they're, they're putting everything out there on the line, and that's what football is. You put it on the line for the guy next to you, knowing that he's going to put it on the line for you. And, and if you got players that won't do that, then you got a bad football team. You know, and then after a while, when you start losing, guys start making business decisions. You know, I don't want to make this tackle. I don't want to go low. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to, you know, they're looking towards next year, that kind of stuff. And, and that's when your team falls apart. And I don't know what we're watching on this defense, but it's not the same defense that played the first two weeks. And I know they got injuries, and I know a lot of guys were out in the secondary. And, you know, I think their best player is Antoine Winfield Jr. I think he'll be back from concussion protocol. Um, they're going to get, you know, some corners back, obviously, with Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting. Like, this coming off this little mini bye will be good for them. Akeem Hicks should be ready because he almost played last week. So they're going to get an influx of better players. But what they really need is better effort and smarter players and guys that won't get out of their gaps and, you know, over-pursue. And in the case of Devin White, stand up and get, you know, pushed back on skates 15 yards and, then you know, pancaked. I mean, that the tape doesn't lie. I mean, that's the thing they always say about football, right? Sky, eye in the sky doesn't lie. Now everybody has the all-22, and every fan can see it, and they can see it in slow motion, and they can see it in real time. I mean, it's just, I think that's one of the interesting things about the, the uh, you know, the involvement of, of the interest in football, and it's what makes everybody so interested, whether it's fantasy, um, you know, the all-22, whatever, all these products are out there uh, where you can go back and watch the film, and there's so many more people that are, you know, astutely breaking down plays, writing about it, talking about it. You can't get away with it. It's not just, you know, your little, you know, player meeting with coaches after games on Monday. Like, you know, can they go over the film? It's not, that film is out there everywhere. Used to be it was just what they were looking at. And now everybody's seeing it in real time. So, it's going to be interesting. Devin White has some answering to do this week, as, as does their entire defense, because no matter what their problems are on offense, and they are many, uh, the defense has shown that, and, and listen, they haven't given up you know, a ton of points overall when you really think about you know, even the games they've lost. So it's not as if like, you know, they're, not, they're not trying. Uh, they've actually played pretty well. But you need them to play better because right now the offense can do anything. And I think the defense can keep them in games until the offense gets going, but all of a sudden now they've lost it. They've given it up. So I don't know. That's the one. You know, Todd Bowles can coach his team any, any way he wants to. And I don't, I've already had the discussion. I don't buy into, well, he's not emotional. So therefore his team, like, we've already done that, right? With, with, it just depends on whether you win or not. And if you're not winning, that's what they say about you. But this is a real test of him as a head coach. It really is. And I. Like I said, I know he says things to them and coaches them hard when we're not around. But if you don't get results, it doesn't matter. And um, you better see Devin White with a, with a different attitude and, and a different level of, of urgency the next time out against the Rams. And the Rams can expose you. You know, they've done that to this team, what, the last three times they've played them. I and I know the Rams are scuffling along right now with about the same record as the Bucks and you know, they, they now it's their turn to go through the Super Bowl hangover, right? The last two Super Bowl champions, not good. They're they're both ga- they're both tanking, much like Devin White. So um, this is going to be a real interesting game and a, and a pivotal one for both teams. If they want to stay in the NFC South, uh, the Bucks need to win, and and the Rams in the West need to win, or they're going to fall out of it as well. So this is a real key game for both teams. Speaking of the NFC South, say hello to your first place. Atlanta Falcons at four and four. How about that? It should have been the Carolina Panthers at three and five. Oh, gosh, the entire division was one, not one, but but two missed miss kicks away from all being three and five. From Carolina leading the division with a three and zero record, and that's the only tiebreaker they would have had over the other three teams. 
Tampa Bay would have been right there in second and uh, order fourth, depending on your, your perspective. But yeah, it, it, it came down, and listen, I give all the credit in the world, really, uh, you know, to what the Panthers have done. You fire your coach, and you appoint Steve Wilkes as the interim. And, you know, you, you're down, you don't, you know, you don't have Baker Mayfield, you don't have Sam Darnold, uh, you know, trade your best receiver to the card, like all of these things. And yet, despite that, you, you came within, you know, you, you make this miracle throw to DJ Moore, who does the unconscionable at that point. So there's seconds left. They score the touchdown. They need an extra point to win the game at Atlanta and go into first place. There's only seconds left in the game. And after he makes this remarkable catch, comes down with it in the end zone, he takes off his helmet. And you know you can't take off your helmet while you're playing the game on the field of play. And he gets a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. That moves the ball back to about a 47-yard extra point. Still, NFL kicker, one kick to win the game, 47 yards, dumb deal. That's why I'm in the National Football League. I can handle it. Not Eddie Pinero. From, From the University of Florida, I believe. I think that's where he went to school. But regardless, he misses. He misses. And we go to overtime. And then Atlanta wins the toss, and Marcus Mariota, under pressure, throws a pick. And it's returned deep into Atlanta territory. They run a few plays. They set up what is essentially an extra point to win the game. Again, this is minutes after he's missed the extra point from 47 yards or so. Now you got one from the natural distance of about 33, misses again. Atlanta gets the ball, goes down, kick the field goal, game over. That's how close everybody was to being 3-5 and five in this division. Yeah, just, uh, and you and I were talking before the game. The NFL, look, there's a reason they don't want the helmets taken off because they really don't want the individuality. That's it. That's the only reason, yeah. They allow choreographed celebrations now, mm-hmm. but you can't take your helmet off. Correct. <laughs> it's it's, it's just so stupid. It is. Although, in, in, you know, for DJ Moore, look, it's a huge moment, tremendous play, but you know the rule. Yeah. It's selfish. It was a selfish act. There's no question about it. And he paid the ultimate prize. His team paid the price. And look, you don't know if he'd have made the 33-yard extra point because he missed one in overtime later. So, Right. I mean, you know, maybe he misses that too. True. But you're That's DJ true. Moore. You know that the game, you only tied the game. You knew yeah, that when not you over. scored it. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like you took the lead. It's still pending an extra point. You knew it. Right. Right. You know, but is the rule dumb? Yes. It's insane. But dumb. you know the rule. So you have to abide by the rule. Well, and, and listen, Tony Dungy made a fair point, and I don't think it's going to matter, but he, he questioned on Twitter. He said, mm-hmm. you know, the rule is you can't take your helmet off in the field of play. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore was actually out of the back of the end zone when he did so. Now, I thought he was still in the end zone when he took it off. Uh, it was close. If he was, it was close. If he was, it was towards the back, very back of the end zone. He might have had one foot on the white or something like that. But he was, he was leaving the field, so to speak. Mm-hmm. and headed towards the stands to bark up there at the Atlanta fans. It's just, to me, you know, like I said, the only reason that they do this is they do not want the players. It's the same reason they have uniform police up there. I mean, imagine that the league appoints guys and pays them to go and sit in the press box every week at every game and write down what the uniform violations are. This guy's socks weren't high enough. This guy's shoes were spatted the wrong way. Uh, you know, all of this stuff. And they fine them for this. Now, why would you do that? What do you care? You know, if a guy wants to wear low socks, high socks, who cares? It's not a safety. Are socks a safety issue? Again, the helmets can't come off. Everybody's supposed to look like stormtroopers. No one's supposed to be individualized, except the quarterbacks who they will sell, uh, the few that can play. They'll sell them as commodities, you know, as as part of their marketing and whatnot. But the rest of you guys, 
when you get hurt, when you get head injuries, when you can't play anymore, we don't want people being that concerned and, and you know, looking at you as the product. The product is a team, man. It's no one guy. It's about the team. And so we'll have another tight end or another running back or another Mike linebacker or another kicker, as the case may be. We don't need you taking off your helmets and all of a sudden you have a face and you're human and people will get to know what you look like and start to look for you again. And that is why. It's not a safety issue. That's the reason why they don't let them take their helmets off. Because we're not about individuality in football in the NFL. We're about the product. We're about uniformity. All of that. We root for the names of the team on the front of the shirts, not the back. And that's the way they want it. Because they know what? Players are going to come and go. And if you get too attached to these stars, you might not like, like, might not like the next guy, but by gosh, you know, we're going to make them keep their helmets on as long as they're playing the game. And, yeah, it was, it, I mean, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you're sick about this. You're just sick about it. You're sick about Panera. And by the way, if that guy has a job anywhere again, like the only thing you ask, and, and I'm, I, I'm not that guy or I'd be kicking myself, but the only guy you know, that you asked, you had one job and when you really need it, right. To win a game, like that's what that job is. It's not about, Oh, he kicked two or three in the first quarter, one in the third. It's about no game on the line, make it and go home, get the dub. Those are the kicks that, that gets you and keeps you in the national football league. And when you miss those, when you missed one and then miss another one, I'm sorry. Like, you can't play in this league. I can't. What else am I going to judge you on? What else do I want you to do? Make make the field goal in the first quarter? That's all I'm looking for? No, man. I got to have somebody that can be clutch. You know? And, and they blew it. And this, this one game may come back to decide the division for somebody. You know? And right now, Atlanta. Atlanta, the team that started, what, 0-2, 0-3, something like that. They've come on now. And they are in first place. And of course, think about what would have happened if the Bucks, you know, hadn't benefited from that egregious roughing the passer call. Maybe Atlanta comes back and wins that game. I don't know. But as it stands, the Bucks are in pretty good shape for a team that's playing as badly as they are, having lost three in a row and five out of six. I mean, they're right in it. You're a game behind right? Atlanta. Yeah. You still have to play them once. If you win that, then you're tied with them. Because you have a game in hand, and, you, and at them. that point you'd you'd be two and zero against them. So that's right. I mean, it's huge. The Bucks control their own destiny. Absolutely, they do. Absolutely, they do. And yet, there's absolutely no confidence they're going to win another game. <laughs> Not any. I mean, listen. And I saw where Cooper Cup got a little nicked up. They haven't covered Cooper Cup in three games. I don't know what the Rams are. It doesn't seem to matter when they come when they play Tampa Bay. They're like the world champions again. And they're going to come in here desperate as the Bucks are, same record, basically. And they're going to try to do everything they can to get a win. And then the next week, if you think that's easy, you know, when the schedule came out, you're like, ah, Russell Wilson got traded to Denver. Ah, you know, Seahawks, Seahawks are going to be a joke. Pete Carroll's too old. Who do they got, really? Well, take a look at the Seattle Seahawks. They are in first place in the NFC West, man. And they just did the New York Giants, who were 6-1 and one going into Sunday, and, and beat them up. And if you think that they're going over to Germany and not going to play the Bucs tough, like, I still am waiting for the, for the game that the Bucs will be favored in, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know that there's one coming up anytime soon. So Tampa Bay's got to dig their way out of this, and they've got to do it right away, um, or they will fall too far behind. But as, as, as the division stands now, yeah, one game, man. Win a game. Just win a game. But like Todd Bull said when we talked to him the other day, and, he's, and I kind of brought it up and he confirmed it, man, it's a week-to-week league. That's all it is. I swear to gosh, I've never seen anything like it. Like, you win a game in the National Football League, you literally think as a fan base and as a team and everything else, there's nobody on our schedule we can't beat. Seriously. We're good enough. If we clean some things up here and there, we're, you know, we're, we won a game. We're good enough to beat everybody. And when you lose, as Todd Bowles said the other day, it's like falling off a cliff, you know? It's the old joke about the guy that, uh, what is he, jumps out of a building. And every time he passes the floor, he goes, oh, so far, so good. 
<laughs> you know, like he's just falling. <laughs> and so, like, you know it's coming, man. Like, the splat is coming. Well, so far, so good. Season isn't over, but you better get a big net out because they're dropping really fast. And, and you know, lucky for the Buccaneers, this is the year that I swear to you, the NFC South may be won with a sub-500 record. I really believe that. I think this could be that year. So, you know, all things considered, everything that's happened, and then you look at Tom Brady and you say, okay, maybe now, maybe now that the divorce is final, maybe now that the tabloids can't have this steady drip, drip, drip every day that affects him, affects his ex-wife, affects his children, maybe now that you know what the custody arrangement is, maybe now that you have 10 days off and you get some players back that are healthy, um, maybe now. Brady, who is the the king of the comeback, right? I mean, think about when he left New England and, you know, his last pass in New England was a pick six in a playoff game against Tennessee. Logan Ryan, in fact, intercepted it. And everybody said, that's it. He's done. That's the image. We know it's over, right? And he wasn't done, and he wanted out of New England. And so he, he got out of New England, and everybody said, yeah, but you're 42 you're with a new team. You got a pandemic. Well, his whole thing was, I'm going to show you. Watch me. I don't care what you odds you stack against me. I'm the greatest of all time. It was me. It wasn't this guy. I'm going to go. And he did it. And he pulled it out. It was 7-5, and five, and it was dark then, too. And, and they went on a run, won eight in a row, and he won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady will look at this and say, huh, I've never been here before. I'm 3-5. and five personal problems, you know, got a divorce, all these things stacked up against me. People think I can't do this. He'll never be able to pull this off. This will be so much fuel for a Tom Brady that we can't even comprehend it. Like this will be the line of demarcation. Yeah, but I went through all those things and then we lost two games in four days and my divorce was final. And then bam, watch me now. That's the way he thinks. Now, I don't know if it's practical to think that way anymore at 45, uh, especially with what I'm seeing on this offense and defense. But I, I assure you that he's preparing for another another comeback. And he has to do it this year because he's running out of years. I really don't believe he's going to play next season. I think I know he won't play here, but I don't think he's going to play at all. So, you know, he's watching his the sand run out of his career hourglass here pretty quick. And, you know, if he wants to do anything before it's done, because, man, it's it's teetering on the brink right now. You know, after a few more weeks of this, they won't have to worry about, you know, playoffs or anything like that. Like, that'll be it. But they still have a chance. They still have a really good chance if they can just start to play better. And I think that brings us to the trade deadline, which is Tuesday at 4 o'clock. And, you know, the more I think about it, like, I'm, I would be surprised, in a way, if the Bucks are very active in the trade deadline only because they probably feel like, look, we've had a bunch of guys hurt and we're getting them back. And so that's kind of the same thing, right? Like Julio Jones healthier is an acquisition to them right now. Um, you know, getting Akeem Hicks back healthy the way he played the first game and a half. That's a big acquisition as if almost as if you traded with the bears just now to get them back. And so there are players on this team that are going to get healthy or healthier, you know, Carlton Davis, uh, you know, that they're better than anything you could find on the free agent market anyway. So if you get them back, if you get healthy, maybe you don't have to delve so much in the, into the uh, trade market. The one guy I would say, and what changes the equation for them right now, was the injury to Shaq Barrett. That was a devastating injury. A torn Achilles, we saw this um, you know, a couple of years ago with O.J. Howard, that injury is nine solid months. Like, you're not able to begin football anything for nine months, which takes us pretty much to training camp next year. And so, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, and then you say, well, Shaq Barrett's thirty, going to be 30 years old. And his, con- his you know, contract next year isn't guaranteed. And so what do we have behind him, you know, other than Joe Tron and on the other side, well, on, on Shaq's side, you're going to see, you know, the combination of, you know, what, Anthony Nelson and Carl Nassib. 
those are the two guys now that have to job share. Now they've combined for four sacks. I know that Shaq had three, but Shaq is a much, much, much better player than those two. And I just wonder if, if you're going to do something, you almost have to do something at that outside linebacker position. And the guys whose, whose name is still out there, he's going to cost a fortune. And frankly, I don't think Denver's interested in trading him is Bradley Chubb. You know, Bradley Chubb was a top pick in this draft. He's been very consistent. I think he's got five and a half or six sacks already this year. Um, they won a game in Jacksonville, so he's coming a long way back. Uh, Jacksonville won in England from the pond. But, you know, and it would cost you dearly. Like, first round plus something is, is reportedly, but there are several teams interested in doing that. But if you're going to win the Super Bowl, like if you're all in – which is what they've said from the beginning. All the free agents they signed. Um, you know, everything they've done once Brady announced he was coming back. Why would you stop now? Why would you not say, you know what the Rams did last year? And they gave up a lot of draft capital. They gave up, a, I think, a second and a third or a second and a fourth or something like that for a player in Von Miller that was not going to play potentially again another year in Los Angeles. In fact, he signed a huge deal Hundred twenty-five million, whatever it was, with the Buffalo Bills, and he's going to win a Super Bowl ring with them now. But would you think that the Rams would, you know, they had to do it over again? Would do anything different? No, because they won the Super Bowl. So to me, it's like, are you in this or not? Like, are you into winning or not? Like, all I hear is Tom Brady, Tom Brady, and that's why you're getting Julio Jones, and that's why Leonard Fournette's running the ball, and not the rookie, and that you know, we're not buying green bananas, all that stuff. So, okay. If Bradley Chubb can be, and it takes two to tango, that's the other thing people don't realize. You can be calling every day about guys, but if that team's not willing to part with them, you're, you know, you're spitting into the wind. So we'll see. But Bradley Chubb, to me, and there's others, the tight end position, you know, Mike Gusecki with uh, the Miami Dolphins had a good game. Like there are dudes out there at key need positions. I don't know that there's a guard, an offensive guard per se, but there are other players, receivers, you know, are we sure? We really sure that Julio Jones is going to be okay? Or do you want to go get Jerry Judy, someone like that? So there's a lot of options. I wrote a story about it in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Some of the, you know, some of the names bandied about that teams are getting calls from, and I don't think you'll see. You know, obviously you won't see anything official until 4 p.m. Uh, the deadline is 4 p.m. on Tuesday. They can, they can make a trade anytime, but not after that. So as it gets closer, that's when you get your best deal. But I don't know. And there's been several trades already. How about the one Christian McCaffrey we mentioned earlier? Did you see that game he had for the 49ers? How about this for a game? He threw a touchdown pass. He caught a touchdown pass, and he ran for a touchdown. That's First a hat player trick. to do that. That's a hat trick, man. It's It's, it's really... It's kind of like hitting for the cycle. That's how rare it is. You know, like no hitters are, are fairly common. The cycle was rare. And so he did that. The last player to do it, it was a running back. Can you think of who it was? I'll give you a year. It was 2005. I was going to guess I was going to guess Walter Payton, but Walter Payton did do it. That's a good guess. It was but but since Walter Payton and the only, other player the only reason done. I guess Walter Payton is because do you realize in his career he has more touchdown passes than Johnny Manziel. <laughs> but does that say really much about Walter Payton? No, but I didn't know day. that Walter Payton, when I heard that trivia, I learned that Walter Payton has eight touchdown passes in his career. Well, and I'll give you one more, and I could be wrong as rain about this. I'm going to look it up on film when I, as soon as I'm done here. I believe Walter Payton might have been left-handed. I'm not sure. I have to look that up. But regardless, yes, Walter Payton did do it, but the players since then see. and Chris McCaffrey... Also a running back. Four or five, you said. Oh, five. Oh, five. Yeah, oh, five. Running That's what I believe I remember them saying. Running back in oh, five. I don't know. Who would that be? Ladanian Tomlinson. Really? LT? Yeah. LT did it once, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I could sure see did. that. And the throw that McCaffrey made was phenomenal. It was perfect. It was gorgeous. Just great. So, yeah. But um, he's going to help the 49ers. Now, you know, the 49ers. And by the way, his uh, replacement in uh, Carolina did pretty well today. He did, yeah. 26 and rushes, lost 118 yards, three touchdowns. Right. 
and they lost the other guy. Yeah, um, Chuba Hubbard's out. Hubbard was out, and so you know they were they were down. It, listen, I give Carolina so much credit. I'm so impressed with them. You know, and people. This is the thing. Like people don't realize it. And, and here's the thing. Like, you know, Atlanta kind of went up and down the field against their defense, and I'm thinking, really, the Bucks could not score but three points against these guys. Really, three points, and it was seven to nothing in the third quarter. And you know, you're watching the game. But listen, there's no way around this. Like every, that's why I see any given Sunday league, every guy on that team, whatever team you're talking about, in this case, Carolina Panthers, they're all NFL players, man. And the guys that they traded away, the good players, and they're helping, you know, the 49ers instantly, obviously. But at the end of the day, like somebody else is going to step into that job and get their first bite of the apple in the NFL. And you know what that is to them? That is their dream. That is what they have worked all their lives to do. And if you think that they're not motivated to go out there and, and play and give everything they have to every single play, you're mistaken. They may not be as great as Christian McCaffrey. They may not be as good as some other players. But at the end of the day, this is how every player gets their shot. Somebody is traded. Somebody gets injured. Somebody can't produce. You get a couple reps, and then it's up to you. And I give Carolina a ton of credit. They got a bunch of ballers over there, and a bunch of guys that don't care that they're not supposed to win. And, and they're, they're busting their tails to try to do it. And that's a tribute to Wilkes, the head coach, who probably has no chance to keep this job. But I'm so impressed with them and just how hard they played. Um, because you usually could have looked at what the organization did. They, they don't care. Nobody, we're not trying to win. They're trying to lose, you know? And there can't be any more helpless feeling. Not this team. Not that team. They fought, man. And we saw the same fight that they had against the Bucks. That's why they beat them the way they did. So it was an interesting week in, uh, in the NFL. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of course, college teams didn't do so well. <laughs> a big... Uh... 0 for 3 with Florida State, USF, and uh, well, I guess Florida State won big. They beat Georgia Tech, I guess. But mm-hmm. Florida, not oof, not so good against against Georgia. No, but, you know, it was expected. What, it was 21-point favorite going in? Yeah. They fought back in the second half for a mm-hmm. spell and wound up. They got it what, down to 28-20. Mm, one score game. Yeah. yeah, and then Georgia scored two more touchdowns after that. Yeah. But about the score was about what you would expect it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, good day. You told me about this before. Now, tell me about the Rowdies again. They were in oh. Memphis. So the Rowdies. One of the greatest comeback, or not comeback, but greatest yeah. wins ever. Uh, the conference semifinal. They're at Memphis. The game's supposed to be played Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Deluge of rain there. So they postponed it to 4 o'clock on Sunday. So the Rowdies come out and play like crap the first half. Memphis dominates, but it's 0-0. They get better as the game goes along. Several more chances in the second half, Tampa Bay does. But it's still 0-0 through 90 minutes. So there's four minutes of stoppage time added on. So about two minutes into stoppage time, the ball's heading back to the uh, Rowdy's keeper. And one of their forwards is in the box, and Jordan Scarlett runs into him. No consequence on the play, but it's a penalty. And that's a penalty shot. Two minutes into stoppage, uh, four minutes of stoppage time. So you think Memphis is going to win the game? Penalty shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, the goalie blocks it. The Rowdies go down the field, get a scoring chance immediately, and the goalie has to trip one of the Rowdies players. Mm. Penalty shot for the Rowdies. Now we're seven or eight minutes into stoppage time, but because they stopped the clock again when the penalty shot previously, 
Fernandez buries it, and the Rowdies win one nothing and advance to the conference final in Louisville next week or this coming week. That's crazy. How many how many times do you think there's been two penalty shots in stoppage time? I mean, that's rare. Well, yeah, it's rare. I mean, yeah, it was it was. I mean, we're sitting there watching it, and it's like you know, as soon as you know they award the penalty shot to to Memphis, you're thinking it's over, and. The Rowdies, you know, I mean, that's it's never over till it's over. We're good for them. So they go to Louisville. Yep, they're going to go to Louisville this week for the conference final. They're trying to make their third straight USL Championship League final. So it's uh, pretty. I mean, Champa Bay still living on through Tampa through the Rowdies. It has a pulse. It has a pulse. Although I, I think we're transferring the you know the mantra up to uh, Philadelphia where. Ooh. The Eagles are still undefeated. And how about the Phillies down in game one? Five to nothing on the road to the Houston Astros. You come back and win that game. Are you kidding me? Gosh. All you got to do is take one on the road, even though Houston came out big the second night. But they did. You, you, got, you got the home field advantage now. They did. They got it back. And, and even, the, uh, even the Flyers are playing well under John Tortorella. Flyers are in second division, and the uh, Philadelphia MLS team is in the uh, MLS Cup. Uh, I hate to say it. It could be up there. That fan base, whoo, that's a tough fan base up there. But they are they are living living large right now. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning wrapped up, became a pretty good road trip uh, in the West Coast. They won two out of three, I want to say. Yes, they did. Um, yep. Nikita Kucherov with a big goal on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, in the final minute. Yeah. To win in San cool. Jose. They're now five and four on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seven of those nine games were on the road. Right, they got some home games so, coming up, and, and yeah. we've talked on we've talked on this podcast before. There's a there's a saying in the NHL: mm-hmm. if you can get 96 points, pretty much get you in the playoffs, with rare exception. Yeah, if you get 96 points, you don't make it. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially getting 12 points for every 10 games, right? And that gives you two games to spare on the end. Mm-hmm. The Lightning are now at 10 points through nine games. So if right. you win tomorrow night at Ottawa, or Ottawa's at home, or, uh, at home, the Senators, if you win that game, you got your 12 points in your first 10 games with there you go. seven of those games on the road. Right. It's not a bad start to the season. And for a road trip where they say one point per game, if you get average, and, and they come back with, uh, with four points in three games. Yeah, you generally like to get on the road one more point than games played. No, they did it. So they did. They got four points in three games. And they're just playing better. You know what I mean, and that's going to happen. The more time they're on the ice together, mm-hmm. uh, the better they're going to play. And and it was good to see Kalorn scored on the road trip. Kucherov obviously with the game winner. Um, there's a lot of guys playing really well on this hockey team right now. So they'll get it. They'll get it going. And and to be on, like you said, to your point, to be on the road as much as they have this early and be able to come home now and play some games at Emily is going to help. I think. Yeah, they have uh, nine home games this month, nine home games in December as well. So, or this month meaning good. November. Today's still yeah. the thirty first, but right, right. Well, it was it was a good road trip for them, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought they played well. And it was exciting. That game on Saturday was was right down to the last minute. It was back and forth. They were up a goal, tied up a goal, tied, and then Kucherov with the game winner. So that was that was good. Well, we got a lot to talk about this week with the Bucks. Obviously, they're going back to practice today. It's a walkthrough practice. We're going to be in the open locker room uh, afterwards sometime a little bit before noon, so we'll bring you all of that. Um, I've got a bunch of mailbag questions we could do maybe in the next couple days uh, as well. A lot of people interested in what's going on with Tom Brady, the offense, Byron Leftwich, all of that. So you can submit those still. You can send it to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Email addresses are Stroud at TampaBay.com. So... We're happy to answer all those questions for you, 100% correct or money-back guarantee, so don't hesitate to do so. And remember to uh, support our friends at May Electric Solar. If your electric bill is going up, these folks can save you some money. Um, They have a 30-year labor and service warranty, $750 worth of surge protection. Billy May and his guys do a great job. Uh, Call them, May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. You get a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long. And you will be happy with their workmanship. 727-819-2862. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of Tempe Times. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 